All right. Good morning, Catalyst. Good morning. Good morning. I heard one person. Paul. Yeah. He's happy to see me. <laughs> oh, and my son. Okay. <laughs> Well, for those that don't know me, uh, my name is uh, Ross Akamina. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share a little bit about what's going on and, and what God has been um, speaking to me about and sharing. And uh, I, I get the chance to start this new series. It's called God's Promises, and it'll be four weeks, and we're going to talk about, surprise, surprise, God's Promises and what they mean to us. Um, I, I've, the Lord has just been doing something with me for the past few years about His promises, just been showing me things and challenging me with things, and I, I'm just grateful that I get a chance to come up here and share with you all. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. And it's also up here, should be up here. So if you don't have your Bibles or you don't have your phone handy, you could take a look at the scripture up here. Hmm. Okay, it says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. When I saw this verse, it just hit me in the face. I, I was like, wow. I, I, it's almost like I never, in fact, I'm going, I don't remember ever reading that. I've read through Second Peter before, but it never hit me the way it hit me just recently. And I was like, I got, I got to share this with you guys because it's so amazing on what God is saying to us through Peter. Okay? So the first part about this God has granted us everything to live a godly life. What? That's, that's just such an amazing truth that he has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. We already have it. For those that accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we already have it. Through his divine power, we already have it. But then why do I struggle so much? Why do I struggle so much with this divine, with this godly living with my life? It doesn't reflect that. Why? Well, in the second part of it, it says, we have received all of this by coming to know him. We have received all of these things that we need by coming to know Jesus. It, it's almost like saying, it's almost like Peter is saying, the, as much as you know Jesus, that's how much is unlocked in your life of what God has given to us. The less we know Jesus, the less is unlocked. The more we know Jesus, the more is unlocked. That he wants, that he has given us everything we need, but it's 
up to us to spend time getting to know Jesus, getting to know who he is, getting to know his character, getting to know him in a personal way. And not just, when I say no, not just intellectually, but it's this, do I have a personal relationship with Jesus? How do we do that? How do we get to know Jesus? Well, one thing is, hey, what you guys are doing is awesome. This is great. You're here in service to hear a message, to engage in worship, to engage with your brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to get to know Jesus that way. But it's also getting into small groups. It's spending time with him, spending this time, personal time with God. You know, this morning, I, I spent time with him, and I'm, I'm reading through the Gospels, and I'm in Mark right now, and there's that one story. You guys remember the story about the rich young ruler, and so Jesus, this guy came to Jesus, and he said, he's so hungry for more of God. He says, what must I do? And Jesus says, he looked, and you guys know the story where he, Jesus says, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me, and the guy says, no, I can't do that, okay? You guys know that story, but this one line stood out to me where it says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And that just sent chills down my spine. I was like, Jesus saw, he saw him and it says he loved him. And then he said, go sell all you have. Before the man answered Jesus and his command, Jesus saw him and loved him. And I was like, oh my gosh, God. That's how you look at us. Even when we don't follow you, even when we say, no, I, I can't do that, even when we're, we're, we're sinning and we're doing things that goes against God, he looks at us and he loves us. And so I spent some time just praying that morning, this morning, and just saying, God, oh, I just want to see your eyes. I just want to see your eyes this morning and that you see me and that you love me, and that I love you back, and this relationship that we have back and forth, this is the amazing relationship that we have with God, that he can love us even in the midst of us making not good choices and walking away from God. He loves us. It's having those moments like that of getting to know Jesus, that he unveils that he releases more and more and more to us that we can live that divine life now i'm getting all into that that's not even the message okay so that was just extra for you guys to just <laughs> you guys got a bonus you guys got a bonus because the part i want to get into is about the great and precious promises that he gives as we get to know jesus and he called us to him. It's not just he's standing there going, okay, get to know me, get to know me, but I'm, I'm going to stay over here. He's calling us to get to know him. He's calling us, and then not only is he granting us more and more knowledge about him, more experiences with him, but he's saying, I'm going to give you these great and precious promises that's going to change and impact your life. I see you all are stunned. <laughs> You're looking at me like, yeah, yeah, okay. 
Great and precious promises. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Uh, move on. Move on. Um, yeah. Great and precious promises that He has granted us in order for us to share in His divine nature and to live, what does it say? To escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That's what I want to talk about today. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. God's great, precious promises to us. Hmm. So the first part about this is I felt like I wanted to share with you a few facts about promises, about God's promises in the Bible. Um, hang in there, hang in there. There's some pretty, pretty good things in there. Um, I, I did some research. So the first thing is, do you know how many promises there are in the Bible? Does anyone have a guess? How many? Ten. Ten? Oh, okay. A little bit more. A little bit more. What do, what do you think, Jack? 500. That's a good amount, huh? That's a good amount. A uh, little bit more. God has a little bit more than that. I've researched and... Uh, okay, one more. 100. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, he was listening to me as I was doing research. Um, so I read some articles and one person said over 3,000. 3,000 promises from God in the Bible. Another one said uh, 7,000. Like, wow, 7,000. Another one said over 8,000. And this one crazy person said approximately 30,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know if 30,000, that sounds kind of... But, and so I don't know the exact number. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. But I do know there's a lot. There are a lot of promises in the Bible. Now, I think a lot of times when we, um, we hear Scripture, especially ones that we've heard over and over and over again, we kind of just take it in and go, oh, yeah, yeah, John 3.16, yeah, 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 that's, that's a good one. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel good about who I am and Jesus. Listen to this. I'm sorry. That, that's for another part. Matthew 11. <laughs> Matthew 11, 28, 29. When we hear Matthew 11, we hear... We've heard songs. We've, we've heard all these things about Matthew 11. And it's like, yeah, that's a great thing. You know, come unto me, all who are we? We're in it. Oh, it's a really nice song. That is a promise. This song, this scripture is a promise that God makes to us. Listen to this. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Okay? Yeah, we've heard that. We've heard that. We've heard that. We've heard. But if we just stopped and paused and listened to it, looked at it, and said, this is a promise from God. This is not just a nice thing that we put on the wall poster and says, hey, hang in there, kitty cat. You know, just hang in there. You're going to do good. This is not one of those inspirational sayings. 
This is a promise from God. He says, come to me. When you're weary, when you're weak, when you're tired, you will find rest for your soul. How many times do we feel tired? How many times do we feel like, yeah, I'm kind of burnt out. I need to go on vacation. I need to do this. I need to do that. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me and you shall find rest. Not only physical rest, you will find rest for your soul. Okay, another one, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We've heard that one. Yeah, 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 the peace of God that's beyond all understanding will come. And wow, that's nice. That's nice. That's a promise. When God says, come to me, bring your concerns, bring your petitions, come with a grateful heart, and I'm going to give you peace that you won't even, be able, you won't even understand. And you'll experience my peace in the midst of turmoil. It doesn't say, I'm going to take you out of it. It says, I'm going to bring, I'm going to give you that peace as you release your concerns, your anxiety, your fears, your concerns, all of that, I will bring you the peace. Those are promises that are right in our face that I think for a lot of us, we don't even see it. We don't even see it. You know how I know? It's because how many of us are living it? How many of us are anchored to that promise saying, that's what I do. When I'm fearful, I do this. I go to the Lord. When I'm tired, when I'm weak, I go to the Lord. I know for me. So that's one thing. There's a lot of promises and a lot of them that we don't even see right in front of our face. The second part is the certainty of God's promises. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. He's not like man, where man says, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to do that, do that for you, do that for you, do that for you. They never do it. God says, if he says it, he's going to do it. Joshua 21, 45. Not all of the Lord's good promise, uh, not one of all of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Every one that he gave to the, the nation of Israel, he came through. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. Every single one of his, his promises are yes in Jesus because Jesus has fulfilled every single one of the requirements for his promises. Every single one is yes. And as we come into alignment with God, that's our lives and our voices are the amen to what God says to Jesus and to all the promises. God never fails. He never lets a promise go unfulfilled. We have a God who... When he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And we can anchor ourselves in that, knowing that God is going to come through all the time, every single time. Now, I know a lot of times we, we've maybe we've thought about promises and we kind of, okay, I, I, God's going to promise this and stuff. And then it happens or something happens and we're like, 
that's not the way I wanted it. That's not when I wanted it. I wanted it this time, but it, it didn't come out till this time. What's up with that? Well, I just want to say to you, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has his own way. His thoughts and his ways of thinking and his plans are way above ours. And so we may have things on, okay, God's promises, da 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 da, da. It should be like this. And God says, well, hey, thanks for the input. I appreciate that. But I have some things that I'm trying to accomplish that doesn't just involve you. You know, this is just something that came, <laughs> came to my mind. You know, for, for a long time, Ida and I, we struggled. We wanted to have kids. And we went through all the things on how to have kids and all that stuff. And it, none of them worked. And it was, it was a rough time for us of just wanting, you know, see our friends having kids. We see younger couples having kids. And you want to be happy for them. You, you are happy for them. But at the same time, it's always a reminder of something you don't have. And we're like, God, you said be fruitful and multiply. We're trying to be fruitful and multiplying, but it's not happening. And then God, in his timing, he brought Jackson and Eliana into our lives. How many years after we went through that season of trying on our own, trying, trying, and now I don't think I would have planned it this way, but God, in his infinite wisdom, brought these two awesome kids into our lives. And we're just so grateful for him and what he did and his foresight, just knowing what to do, his promises to us. And we're just so thankful for him, for the Lord, for our kids, and um, just even for us, trying at the, at, as best we could to hold on to those promises. God never fails. You can take that to the bank. He never fails. He will never renege on a promise. Now, another part is God's promises are prophecies. Okay? Some of them have already been fulfilled because Jesus came back the first time. But a, a lot of the promises are actually prophecies because he's telling us ahead of time, this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. I think if we don't look at the promises in that way, we miss a lot of things. We go, oh, we just kind of go through life and we're like, oh, yeah. And then God fulfills the promise and we go, hey, coincidence. Look at that. Wow, that was just so good that it just so happened that way. Wow. Instead of recognizing for what it is that it's a fulfillment of a promise. It was a prophetic promise that was given and that we didn't see it. Because we didn't think about it. We didn't know about it. We're not looking at it that way. And so there are times when God wants us to actually step into, take steps of faith to say, okay, God, this is your promise. I'm going to step into that. I know you're never going to leave me or forsake me. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared about this situation, but I know that you're going to be there for me. I don't feel it right now, but I'm going to step into it because I know that you're going to be there. And then we step into it, and then we act, and we keep move, being moved by His Spirit, 
And then we go, wow, yeah, he's really here helping me do stuff. But there are times when we feel we have to step into it, even if we don't feel like it, because the promises are prophetic. It's what he wants us to exercise faith in those promises. Where was that verse? John 14, 29. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. That's what Jesus was saying. I'm telling you this now before it happens so that when it happens, you can believe. You will believe me. I was... Uh, I, once in a while, uh, my, my daughter, she has, uh, um, she goes to a clinic and has therapy done. And um, so I, I go and pick her up. And every once in a while, um, I'll say, hey, I'll, I'll, when I'm dropping her off, I'll say, hey, I'll take you to Yogurt Land after class or after her clinic. She goes, yeah, she loves Yogurt Land. Yay! So I, I pick her up and then I take her. But there was one time where I forgot that we had a lot of stuff planned after her clinic. And so I picked her up, and then I'm thinking, okay, we got to go do this and this and this, so let's go home. And, and she's like, Papa, you said we're going to go to Yogurt Land. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, man. And I told her, I'm, I'm so sorry. We have all these things planned out and stuff, and so I can't take you today. Maybe some other time. And just the disappointment on her five-year-old face was just, Papa, we're not going on a date, you and me? Right? You just, oh, man. (sighs) But, you know, we we had other things going on, so I wasn't able to take her that day. And I just feel like I, I saw, you know, I, okay, let's go another day. Let's go, you know, to set another thing for her. And, and she was okay. She's, she's okay. She's okay. She's not, she's not in therapy for that. Okay, <laughs> put it that way. She's not in therapy for that. But it just reminded me of just the anchor of God giving those promises that he never fails. Humans, as much as we love each other, there are times we're going to fail each other. And we don't want to anchor ourselves only in just human promises because things could happen. But with God, He never fails. His promises are always good. And let's anchor ourselves in them. So those are just a few facts about God's promises. Now, how does promises... Okay, what's the big deal though? How does it impact my life on an everyday level? Well, let's go back to 2 Peter. 2 Peter and let's look at verse 4. There are actually two aspects of it that I wanted to go over. As we see towards the end of 1 Peter 4, it's hard for me to see. It says, these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. Okay, that's the first part, his divine sharing in his divine nature. Now, Peter's not saying, you're going to be God. You're going to be divine. You're going to be like him. You're going to be, you know. He's not, obviously, he's not saying that. What he's saying is that that word share, it's the word 
Greek word koinonos, 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 which is kind of like koinonia. And it, that word means to share or to partake or to partner. And what Peter is telling us is we want to, as we receive those promises, it's going to help us to partner with God in what he wants to do, in his plans, in, in all the things he wants to carry out. We get a chance to step in there with Jesus and carry out what he wants to accomplish. That's the whole sharing, sharing and partnering with God that he wants to do. And that's what happens when we remember his promises, step into them, and we align ourselves with what God wants to do. I think one thing that hinders us from doing this is our mindset. Where are we thinking? Are we thinking about the world and what's happening in our lives or do we have a kingdom mindset, a kingdom of heaven mindset? Are we conscious, are we thinking about what God wants to do, or are we thinking about what I want to do? Are we thinking about our comfort and all the things that, that I have and that I'm planning, or are we thinking about God and His plans and what He wants to accomplish through us? And that's why He's given us these promises so that we will step into them as we consider what God is doing. As we think about what is stirring his heart, what is he concerned about? What is he thinking about? As we turn our hearts and our minds to him, then he shows us and we get to partner with him as we step into these promises, we get to see his plan begin to unfold. But if we're so focused on, what am I going to do today? What am I going to eat? Oh, what's going on here? Oh, I want to buy that thing on Amazon. I got to get, oh, there's another thing I want to get on Amazon. Oh, there's these other things that I want to do. There's some, oh, all these. And we get so consumed with just our stuff that we forget. And we don't even think about, what is God thinking? What's on his heart? We don't even think about treasures in heaven where the treasures are in, what, what are treasures in heaven what's on god's heart people are on god's heart so it's investing in people to help having storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven making those kind of investments into people those are some things that god says i want to partner with you i want to share with you you can share in these plans in the things I want to do. But it changes our perspective when we have a kingdom mindset. You know, there's a story um, in the Bible, in uh, Numbers, where God told Moses to send out spies into the promised land. Okay, so one from each tribe, 12 guys, go out and spy out this land. Okay, so they go out, and they check out this land, and 30 days later, they come back, and they tell, they, they bring a report to the people of Israel. And 10 of them, they say, man, it was bountiful, flowing with milk and honey. There's all kinds of stuff happening over there. But there are giants. These people that inhabit the lands are huge. 
compared, us compared to them, we're like grasshoppers. And you know what? They know that we know that we're like grasshoppers to them. We should not go in there. This is not, these people, these spies, these scouts that have gone out, they've heard the promise of God. But this is what they're saying to the people of Israel. They're bringing this bad report. No, we shouldn't go in there. So the people of Israel, so this report gets in, the people of Israel hear this, and this is what it says in uh, Numbers 14. The people, they say this to Moses and Aaron, if we had only died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword and that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And then so they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. So they heard this report and they started <laughs> complaining. Why did we come out all this way? Why did we? And then it just, it would be better if we just died in the wilderness. It would be better if we died in Egypt. Let's go get other leaders that will listen to us and let's go back to Egypt. They don't remember how bad it was in Egypt. But they're coming from a secular perspective. They're looking at their situation through a secular lens, saying, what can we do against these guys? What kind of strategy, military strategy, or any kind of strategy could we use to come against these giants? Nothing. I can't think of anything. Can you think of anything? I can't think of anything. I can't think. Well, then we must run away. We must go back. But what happens? Caleb, Joshua, I mean, they must have been thinking, are you guys crazy? This is a land that was promised to us by God. Are you guys crazy wanting to run away? So this is what they say in Numbers 14, verses 6 through 9. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephuneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of that land, for they are our bread, our protection uh, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And he's saying, they're both saying, we got to go in there. This is a land that is promised to us. Do not walk away from the Lord. Do not go to the left or to the right, but you stay focused on the Lord. Trust him. Let's go in because it's promised to us. Why are you guys scared? Why are you guys running away? No, no, let's go in. I think that's the word that the Lord is speaking to us. That he has given us 
3,000, 5,000, 7,000, 30,000, I don't know how many, a whole bunch of promises that he is never going to renege on. And he's saying, don't run away. Don't run away. doesn't matter how big the challenge is. See it with my lens. See what I can do. through. Even use your imagination. Imagine what God can do in this situation. You know, it's funny. A lot of times when we do that what if, what if, what if, what if, it's always bad, right? You ever had a what if that was like, whoa, what if I did this and I stepped into this scary situation and all these great things happen? No, it's never like that. It's always, what if I, I do this and I help this person and then I get arrested? Or what if I do this and this and then something happened to my family? And then what if I do this and this and something happens to my job? And it's always a negative thing. But I think sometimes the Lord is saying, I want you to see that there is so much that I can do in these situations. Why are you thinking? Why are you letting your mind go to those places when I want to do so much through you? So when you face unemployment, what can happen there? God is going to provide for me. God is going to be there for me. Just like he takes care of the sparrows and the flowers. So I can trust him. So God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you doing here? Oh, my kids. There's some things going on with my kids. And they're making choices. And oh, man, I bet it's going to be bad. I bet, you know, why go there? Why not go to a place where it's like, you know what? God can do some things with my kids. As long as I stay heart-connected with them, and I talk with them, and I listen to them, and I just make sure they know that I'm on their side, we can talk, and God can do some amazing things in our family. We need that Joshua and that Caleb speaking to us. We need the Holy Spirit speaking to us, saying, do not fear. Don't rebel. Don't turn away. Because God and His promises are going to be there for us. Again, He is our anchor. He is our anchor. The second part, oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, second part about it is escaping the world's corruption. And we, we don't know anything about that, right? There's nothing going on in the world. There's... Everything's peachy keen and everything's so good, right? <sighs> yeah. The world is in trouble. And uh, there are a lot of things that are happening, a lot of choices that people are making that are not godly choices. And the Lord doesn't want us to just go along with it. The Lord doesn't want us to, like, the, you look at the words and it says escape. The Lord doesn't want us to escape. He's not saying go hunker down in some bunker and wait till it's all over. But the Lord is saying, I want you to make a difference in this world. I want you to escape the worldly influences that the secular world is putting on people. I want you to Get away from fears, be freed from that. But I want you to make a difference in this world. 
And as we step into God's promises, as we step into what he wants to do, we will be the influencers. God will be the influencer instead of the ones, we being the ones that are influenced. We'll, God will flip it around and the church can be an influence on the world instead of the church being influenced by the world. And that's what God wants us to do. God, Jesus loved the poor. He loves the poor. Do we see the poor? Do we see the homeless, the people begging? Or do we just walk by? Do we do something about it? Or do we just, mm, I don't want to see. I don't want to look. God loves children. How do our lives reflect the Father's heart to them? How do our lives reflect the Father's heart to the children? God loves those that are hard to get along with. Do we take the time to get to know them? Are we, ex are we exhibiting the patience of the fruit of the Spirit? Kindness, grace. God loves those struggling with same-sex attraction. Are we willing to live in the tension of grace and truth with them? Are we just... Nope, I don't want to deal with it. You know, we just went through a series called Being a Catalyst in which we heard several testimonies, several stories about people making a difference in other people's lives. And you know, we don't just save those stories just because of that series. We're going to have this series on being a catalyst, so we're going to share all these things. We want to hear these testimonies happening, these stories happening all the time all the time where people are going out making a difference interacting with others loving people the way jesus would want us to love them we want to hear those stories coming out all the time that's what it means to um for that second part of that verse of escaping and making an influence on this world okay quickly i just want to go over what are some of his promises? The next three weeks, Barry and, and myself again and then Lauren will be going more deeper into the actual promises that God gives us. But I just want to go over real quickly. I'm just going to shotgun these two to you um, so that if you are going through one of these situations, I'm hoping that you'll um, remember or maybe even take a picture of these verses and then as you're going through it, you just go, oh, yeah, I'm going through a hard time. Let me remember these verses, okay? So the first one is God promises eternal life. Now, the reason why I put that one first is because if you don't have eternal life with God, if you don't have a relationship with God, then all the other ones are kind of moot to you, okay? So this one is important. That's like the foundation of, of our faith. And so the first one, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay? That is like a cornerstone of the Christian faith. The ones you see at football games and other places. John 3, 16. 1 John 5, 11, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. John 11, 25, 26. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. 
Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die, never ever die. Okay, so these are three verses regarding, these are just three. There's way more, but these are three that if you're struggling with, am I saved? Or what does it, what does it take for someone to be saved? These are three that you can look at and go, okay, these are promises that God has given to everyone. That if I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm saved. Okay? Another one, another promise that God gives is um, for comfort during difficult times. Did I put that up there? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. So when we're going through hard times, this is how God comforts us. Isaiah 41.10, Do, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my righteous or victorious right hand. Another one, James 1, 5 and 6. If you need wisdom during a time of difficulty, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And finally, Psalm 34, 19, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each, every time. Okay. And the last one, God's promises to make us his children. We are his children, right? We are his family. For those that accepted Jesus Christ, we are his kids. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. John 1, 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Okay? So, if you have issues regarding your identity and who you are, you look at these. Hide them in your heart. Okay? Read them. And don't, don't just, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. hide them in your heart. Because they will speak to you, these promises that God gives. Okay, real quick, um, here's some application steps, okay? Read the promises. <laughs> Number one, read the promises, okay? And then remember them, okay? Remember them. If we don't remember them, it's kind of gone in, it's in short-term memory, and then we remember it for a day, and then all of a sudden, whew, it's gone. And then a week later, Oh, yeah, what was that thing? We mem remember them. I started memory cards, scripture cards, where I actually, you know, I was like, oh, I'm doing a computer and write it. No, I thought I need to actually handwrite it because that'll help me remember. So I'm starting that up. I did it a long, long time ago, and I started it up again, and it helps me to remember just going through them, the flashcards, and going, okay? Read the promises and remember them. Number two, recite them frequently. Okay, that's what I do. When I pick up Eliana or Jackson driving, I start reciting. I start reciting those memory verses. And the last one is recall God's promises and claim them. Okay? 
I was in, uh, just real quick, I was, last couple Sundays ago, I uh, got hit on the head with the car door, the back of the van, and um, it hit, I was, I was like super excited to watch the Dodger game, bam, it hit, hits me on the head, I'm so angry, um, I was just, it was me and Ida, we were unloading the van, I was so angry because I was like, I'm missing the Dodger game, so I'm, I'm in pain, and I'm like bent over, and then all of a sudden Ida goes, you better sit down, we're in the driveway, right, you better sit down, I ain't gonna sit down on the drive, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm angry, I'm like, man, I'm missing the game, I'm not going to sit down on the driveway. So she goes, you better sit down. I was like, oh, okay. So then I look at my hand, and it's all bloody. And I'm like, and instead of like, whoa, I'm even more mad now. Because I'm like, I got to go get stitches or something, right? I've never had stitches or staples in my life, so I'm like, ah, Sunday afternoon, I got to go to urgent care. Oh, my God. And just to give you some background, I went to emergency one time, and I was there for 17 hours in the waiting room. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, urgent care. I don't want to go there. So we do what any smart person does. We contacted Agnes. (laughs) Ida took a picture, sent it to her. Does this really need some medical attention? And she goes, yeah. Okay, so I go, we go to urgent care. So I'm like this, I walk in, and the, the nurse looks at me, she goes, don't tell me it's a laceration. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I laceration cut, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it is. She goes, I don't know why, but we had three laceration cases come in right before you. You're going to have to wait. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? So she goes, yeah, it might be a couple hours. I'm like, oh, man. Okay, so she did blood test, uh, um, um, uh, blood pressure and all that stuff. Okay, go in the waiting room. So I'm sitting there, and there's like four of us there. There's not like a whole bunch of people. There's like four of us, and really no one's going in and stuff. I'm just, oh, man, this, this really sucks. So then I, I just started praying, and I just started reciting to God, this is who I am. I'm your son. I'm your beloved son who you see and you know and you love. That's who I am. And God, I know you're with me. I know you're with me. So I'm grateful for that. But Lord, can you make this go faster? (laughs) I'm your son. I'm your son, okay? Hurry up with those other guys with lacerations. You know, just heal them or something so I can get in there. So I'm waiting. I'm expecting two hours, half hour come on in. Wow, what happened? Oh, yeah, we worked out with this other guy, so we got him out, and so you can, and again, I never had stitches before. Uh, They're like, okay, we're going to give you a little, I don't know, Novocaine or whatever, the the pain, so they gave me that. I go, okay, I felt a little pinch, and then they're like, okay, here you go, you know, we're going to give you a few more, and then I don't feel anything, and then, okay, staples, six staples. I'm like, okay, I'm Ka-chack, 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 ka-chack. <laughs> and it was like, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't really feel anything. That was the last time I felt pain. Because I was feeling like a throbbing, kind of like, yeah, okay, okay. Um, when they gave me that, that painkiller, I didn't feel any pain after that for the rest of the time that I had the staples in. And I was just amazed at how God's grace and his love was just there for me that he just took away. I didn't have to, I took one 
Advil that night because I was like, okay, I probably feel something tomorrow. Didn't feel anything. The only pain I felt was when they took it out. And it was like, am I going to hear like, you know, like you taking a staple out of, a, of wood or something? Like, you know, I'm going to hear some of that, but let me tell you, that, that's a different story. Maybe I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. That was painful, but God was there. God was there with me in the waiting room. God answered prayers, and I just felt his love and his grace and his provision and his favor when I went through that whole procedure, and I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. So my prayer is that for our church, we start engaging with the Lord on that level. We start engaging with his promises that God can do this. God will do Not even can. He will. He will be there for me. I don't know what exactly is going to happen, but he's going to be there. And I trust him, and I love him, and I will worship him no matter what happens. But we start engaging the Lord on those levels. And I tell you what, as we start doing that, we're going to see some incredible testimonies that will go on to John's podcast or Damon's podcast where, did you know this is what happened in my situation? This is what God did. And we're going to see some amazing things. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Worship team, come on up. Thank you, Lord. God, you are so good and gracious and faithful to us. Even when we're going through hard times, even when we're going through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, you are there with us. Your rod and your staff, your presence comforts us to know that you are with us, that you never leave us or abandon us. God, that you provide for us in every single way, that we are your sons and daughters. God, so many promises that we can hang on to. So Lord, I pray that you would start bringing those highlighting verses that show us, especially promises that we need for right now that you would start highlighting those, that we would see them and go, yeah, that's exactly what I need in this time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So fill us, fill us, Lord. Fill us as we worship. Fill us as we pray for each other in this ministry time that we have where people can come down and be prayed for and ministered to. God, I, I pray that you would just do that. Fill this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here to do what you want to do. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It would be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.